Welcome to Act In Line, the podcast of the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty. I'm Caroline Roberts, producer and host. On this episode, I am joined by Reverend Ben Johnson to discuss the recent anti-Semitic attacks in New York City. Father Ben is a senior editor here at the Acton Institute and the editor of Acton's Religion and Liberty magazine. In this conversation, he answers important questions about anti-Semitism in the U.S. and abroad. What is driving this violence and how can we fight against it? To read more about this topic, I have linked all resources for this episode in our show notes, published at blog.acton.org. That's blog.acton.org. This past December, shoppers in a kosher market in Jersey City became the targets of anti-Semitic violence. Two men opened fire in the grocery store, killing four people. And just a few weeks later, a man wielding a machete broke into a rabbi's home in Monsey, New York, and stabbed five people who were in the midst of celebrating Hanukkah. 72-year-old Joseph Newman was left the most seriously injured, and at the time of recording this, remains in a coma. His seven children and many grandchildren are not hopeful that he'll come out of the coma. These two atrocious incidents are, however, just a fraction of a trend of anti-Semitic attacks in the U.S. Four New York Jewish officials recently wrote in a letter to Governor Andrew Cuomo that, quote, simply stated, it is no longer safe to be identifiably orthodox in the state of New York. We cannot shop, walk down the street, send our children to school, or even worship in peace, unquote. It's unbelievable that not even a full century after the Holocaust, anti-Semitism is once again rearing its ugly head. So what is causing this outbreak? Reverend Ben Johnson, senior editor here at Acton, is joining me on today's podcast to discuss. Father Ben, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me on this important topic. So let's start with really the most basic question. What is anti-Semitism. Obviously, most of us know what anti-Semitism is, but what I would like you to do for me is hash out the hallmarks of this racism. How has it been embodied in the past and what does it look like today? What are the similarities and differences there? Anti-Semitism is perhaps the world's oldest hatred. Uh, You can read about it in the pages of the Bible in the book of Exodus, in the book of Daniel, uh, where the king's advisors come up with anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Haman was an appointed anti-Semite. Many of the hallmarks have been passed down. They simply change and shapeshift from one generation to another and one context to another. But the contours remain remarkably identical as time marches on. One of them uh, is simply a hatred of uh, the Jewish people, the Jewish race, and the Jewish religion. Uh, Those two are intimately connected. Uh, But some of the uh, conspiracy theories that are used to advance this are the ideas that Jewish people are... uh, a hermetically sealed group, that they are secretive or clannish, uh, that they favor one another over other individuals, that they uh, will use immoral actions in order to get ahead in society. Uh, In the past, there have been allegations of uh, child sacrifice of Christian children at uh, Passover to use their blood in matzo. So there are some extreme allegations of that sort. But then there are the mundane variety that uh, Jews stick together and that uh, they use their advantage in order to uh, to make a great deal of money. That's that's one of the particular uh, allegations. Another is that their highest allegation, their highest allegiance, is to one another uh, rather than to the nation in which they happen uh, to be citizens. So these are a couple of the allegations. 
when it comes to the black Hebrew Israelites uh, that uh, you were talking about who have perpetrated these string of crimes, they have a different set of identity politics to go with that as well. And perhaps we can get into that uh, either now or at another time in the interview. I will get into that later in our interview. But first, I want to ask you regarding those allegations that you brought up, where did those lies come from and how are we seeing them perpetuated today? I think they're born strictly from envy. Uh, very, very uh, simply, the Jewish people have always been successful. And uh, if you look at the uh, the book of Exodus, for example, it talks about how uh, the Jewish people under uh, Joseph had gone to Egypt, and they had done very well. And suddenly, uh, the Egyptians were, were concerned about this group within their midst. They were afraid that they were going to be displaced. And so out of envy, they stirred up these conspiracy theories and, and uh, put uh, the, uh, Israeli, the Israelite people into bondage. The same thing has been passed down generation after generation, whether it's bondage under under Pharaoh or whether it's living in a ghetto in Eastern Europe or whether it's uh, the modern day anti-Semitism that exists throughout the Middle East where people live under a state of dimitude. All of these uh, continue and, and uh, harp on the exact same themes that uh, the Jewish people must be controlled, otherwise they will rise up and, and uh, subject all others to their own rule. So given all of that, would you say that, you know, according to headlines, that anti-Semitism is, quote unquote, on the rise? I mean, certainly we've seen um, more reports come out from New York City about a rise in anti-Semitic attacks. But is this actually, quote unquote, on the rise or is this a disease that never really went away that we're seeing crawl out of the woodwork at the moment? You're right that uh, anti-Semitism has been uh, more in the headlines here recently. You mentioned the two attacks from the black Hebrew Israelites. Actually, there was a, another in October in Miami from a, an individual named Larry Green, who goes by the name Elijah Israel, who assaulted two people who, who were leaving a prayer service at a synagogue in Miami. So this, even that organization has been quite active. It, it just so happens that these were very high profile attacks that all took place within the same city in the same period during Hanukkah and uh, in the surrounding season of Hanukkah. So really the overall, if you look at the most recent anti-Semitic attacks, they occur against a backdrop where in New York City alone, there's been one reported hate crime every day for the last two weeks, NYPD. Uh, so it's, it's obvious that New York City is experiencing a, a spike in hate crimes, particularly violent, extreme hate crimes. That said, though, uh, these are more examples of, uh, of uh, I guess you would say, there's been very little change. I don't want to sugarcoat the issue. It's always been high, uh, quite candidly. Uh, 57% of all hate crimes in the United States that are based on religion were motivated by anti-Semitism. And if you look at uh, the federal government, which tracks religious, religiously motivated hate crimes, since the time they began tracking this in 1996, the federal government through the FBI has found that they've been remarkably stable. Between 1,400 and 1,700 attacks every year, Jewish people always account for the majority of those attacks, uh, at times as high as 70%, 7 out of 10 of those uh, are directed against Jewish people out of animus against Judaism. So uh, you, really it has been remarkably stable, with the exception of the year 2001, where there was a spike, and again, primarily directed against Jewish people. Uh, but other than that, the number and the victims have been remarkably the same. What's changed is the identity of the people who are perpetrating them. Uh, you mentioned Bill de Blasio, it's, uh, the mayor of uh, New York City, has often said that these are uh, caused by white supremacism. And at times that's been the case. But uh, here lately in particular, you see that this is taking place with uh, the black Hebrew Israelites. 
anti-Semitism had always been thought of as a conservative or right-wing uh, phenomena, phenomenon, and in fact, uh, primarily the uh, anti-Semitism now is manifesting itself politically on the left, but it's the same hatred just taking on different guises and different faces with different constituencies, but all aimed against the same people. Do you think that there's news attention being brought to this issue currently because of the level of violence that we're seeing in these attacks? And add into that the targeting of the Tree of Life synagogue last year. I suppose, why hasn't there been more attention brought to this problem? I think you put your finger on it, which is it's the level of the violence itself that has drawn media attention. The old saying in news, if it bleeds, it leads. And because of the extreme nature, and particularly the use of a machete, uh, that captures the horror of the crime uh, beyond anything else. So I think that's drawn the attention uh, of the news media, rightly so. But uh, as I say, the, the actual statistics have not changed in 20-some years. Uh, the number has been extreme, uh, perhaps a 1,000 Jewish victims every single year. And uh, really, they've always made up the majority of religiously motivated hate crimes in the United States. Uh, they're simply getting uh, the attention because of the very focused nature, the fact that, in, as you mentioned, the Tree of Life Synagogue took place in a place of worship or in a Hanukkah party or in a kosher deli, where the link is undeniable and it's very public and there's a mass element to it. Uh, in some cases, it has been uh, white supremacist, in other, you know, like the uh, Poway Synagogue. In other cases, it's been um, um, black Hebrew Israelite. But both of them are equally dangerous, and they both draw attention to the fact that uh, this is a continual issue for us. And we should be uh, continually concerned about the rise and the level of anti-Semitism. Uh, the fact is, one religiously motivated hate crime against any group is too high. The fact that the Jewish people take on 70% of these crimes tells us that uh, we need to stamp out anti-Semitism. And that means that we need to uh, take the steps that we mentioned to have respect for religion, honor intelligence, education, and a drive to succeed, and to love the Jewish people for all that they've done for the West. And if we do that, then I think that we have uh, the building blocks of a, a gentler society. Now, there's been a temptation from politicians, like you just mentioned, Bill de Blasio, who've spoken to this crisis to label it as coming from the far left or the far right. Uh, one writer, Carol Markowitz, who is a writer for the New York Post, um, she said in an article that, quote, with this comes a divide, a, a sort of narrative of your side versus my side and which side is more anti-Semitic or dangerous. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Tease out your thoughts on, you know, when it comes to labeling anti-Semitism as coming from one side or another on the political spectrum. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think it helps to place it on the political spectrum because I, th I don't think that it's far right. I don't think that it's far left. I think it's far insane. This is from the deep fever swamps of the human imagination. And uh, really, it's funny, the, the groups that would be labeled far right uh, the one that would probably be labeled the farthest right uh, would, and, and in fact, uh, Nightline in the 1990s called it the most extreme group. It was a group called Christian Identity, which believes that white people are the 12 lost tribes of Israel. The black Hebrew Israelites uh, in this manifestation, the violent manifestation, believe that black people are the 12 tribes of Israel. What they agree on is that Jews are imposters, and they cite the exact same Bible verses to make that argument, Revelation 2.9 and 3.9. Uh, the black Hebrew Israelites cite uh, passages in the Song of Songs, verses uh, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, where uh, God says, I am black, and uh, in Revelation 1.4, where it says that his hair is white like wool, and they say that that indicates that Jesus must have been a black man. Um, people who believe in identity Christianity cite uh, 1 Samuel 17.42, which describes King David as being ruddy and fair. 
what they are both doing is rewriting the history of the Old Testament to suit their own racial collectivist purposes. Uh, when we deal with this, the term that I use is racial collectivist terrorism. And I think that's probably uh, more descriptive uh, than using far right or far left. These organizations believe that their racial identity is foremost. They often sublimate even their own personal identities to furthering the interests of uh, their so-called race or their ethnicity. And again, they seem to have a common enemy due to the way that they misinterpret the scripture by wrenching it out of its historical context against the way that uh, bodies of Christians, whether they're Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholic, or Protestant in any form of Protestantism that has any historical continuity have ever interpreted the scriptures in order to feed on their own racial pride. That's really where the animus in these particular groups is coming from. It's simply worshiping their own flesh, their own ethnicity over the God of the Bible. You've written several articles for Acton's blog um, in which you draw actually some connections between socialist ideology and anti-Semitism. Uh, in one article, you write that, quote, in virtually every socialist society, the envy that demonizes the wealthy soon turns its green eyes upon the Jewish population, unquote. So the connections you make there, can I want you to tease those out a little bit for us, but I guess before we head into this question, how are making those connections in and of itself not placing anti-Semitism on a political spectrum? I think when it comes to uh, anti-Semitism, uh, it was uh, August Bebel who said that uh, anti-Semitism is the socialism of fools. Uh, the idea is that uh, people who are too intelligent, uh, not intelligent enough to comprehend socialism and understand that uh, the capitalist is the enemy, will uh, place that uh, on uh, the Jewish people instead. Uh, so I, I think that uh, really, what it, what it comes to is analyzing anti-Semitism and understanding that uh, there are historical causes to that, and the historical cause par excellence is envy. Uh, and where you find envy, that is where you're going to find anti-Semitism rearing its uh, rearing its head. Uh, so, for example, the, the Cato Institute has done a wonderful study here recently, somewhat bone-chilling, but uh, very informative. Uh, I believe it was Emily Eakin who uh, found this. And uh, she found that uh, they were measuring resentment towards successful people. And uh, they asked people uh, this question, would you agree, quote, very successful people sometimes need to be brought down a peg or two, even if they've done nothing wrong? Now, young people were four or five times more likely to believe in that. In fact, uh, half of those who have very favorable attitudes towards socialism say violence against the rich is justified, justifying violence against the rich. Now, again, using August Babel's un understanding of this, uh, when he was looking at this, he said that many people will look at those who are successful and they will find the uh, behavior of a few Jewish people, Mark Zuckerberg, Harvey Weinstein, Lloyd Blankfein, and they'll place the locus of envy against Jewish people. Uh, in, in both of these ideas, uh, whether it's against the top 1% or the wealthy, these are just different labels for a class which allow us to hate all members of the group equally. And whether it's against uh, an economic group or an, an ethnic group, both are equally erroneous. Those groups are full of thousands or millions of people with different life stories about how they earn their money and how they spend it. True, some like Harvey Weinstein engaged in disreputable behavior, but others like uh, Bernard Marcus, the founder of Home Depot, has promised to donate 90% of his $4.5 billion fortune to charity voluntarily. So, uh, and of course, Bernie Marcus also happens to be Jewish. So. 
you see incredible acts uh, within, whether it's a class or whether it's a group of people, you'll see a whole continuum, a whole spectrum, because that's what it means to be human. We have been gifted with the, with the ability to choose freely what we do with our time, talents, and abilities. And uh, to simply place all that in one class, whether it's based on class or whether it's based on ethnicity or whether it's based on a misunderstanding of the teachings of religion, all of that is equally erroneous, but all of it's driven by the same envy. So in what way are we seeing that envy here now, besides resulting in anti-Semitic violence? Where is this envy coming from? From our old flesh, uh, from the fallen human nature that we've inherited. Uh, People have been uh, envious from the very beginning. Uh, And in in point of fact, uh, you could say that Adam and Eve were envious of God in the Garden of Eden. But uh, I think that when you look at, at the face of envy today, Uh, It's primarily concentrated on the political left because of economic factors. Uh, People are are envious of others and how well they do, and they want that wealth redistributed. Uh, And so you see socialism or or left-wing political movements infused with anti-Semitism. And I think maybe the most uh, illustrative point of this would be uh, Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the UK Labour Party. The Jewish Chronicle, before the last election, which took place uh, just last month, found that 40% of Jews would consider leaving the UK if Jeremy Corbyn were elected prime minister. They found him an existential threat. Jeremy Corbyn is a man who laid a wreath at the tomb of terrorists who murdered 11 Israeli athletes at the 1972 Munich Olympics. Uh, He referred to members of Hamas and Hezbollah as our friends. Uh, And he defended an artist who made a mural that used classic anti-Semitic imagery, showed Jewish bankers destroying the globe. And uh, he said that... uh, uh, he supported those who were. He supported the artist against uh, attempts to censor the uh, the art. But he also said that it was a wonderful message because it was taking on. He thought it was taking on capitalism. So it shows me that people on the far left sometimes cannot distinguish between these two when their envy is is engaged. They're willing to work with anyone who happens to share this point of view, and that's that's true also when it comes to international relations. Uh, They tend to have a view that uh, the United States and Israel and the UK are all colonial powers and that uh, many will refer to Israel as a colonial outpost of the West within the Middle East. Therefore, anything that is done against Israel is justified regardless of the intentions, regardless of the purely anti-Semitic hatred that's driving people to want to drive uh, Jewish members of of the Israeli society into the sea. All of these things uh, are driven because of this historical miasma of envy. Uh, In some cases, as is with the black Hebrew Israelites, there's a patina of religion over top of it. In others, there's a patina of economics or anti-colonialism, but uh, it's all being impelled by envy against uh, those who have succeeded. Now, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has said on several occasions that violence toward Jews in New York City is growing and that a, quote, crisis of anti-Semitism is gripping the nation, unquote. (laughs) So how is he actually responding? What is he doing to counteract it? Well, thankfully, he has stepped up patrols in Jewish neighborhoods. And that in itself was considered to be uh, a controversial move. But uh, thankfully, it shouldn't be controversial. This is where there's clearly a targeted uh, victim within uh, experiencing terrorism. In fact, uh, the federal government has charged one of the perpetrators, uh, whom we won't name, but you mentioned the crime earlier, with federal acts of terrorism. So uh, I think that that's uh, very much a responsible action. However, he's also trying to blame this politically. Uh, He said that Donald Trump's rhetoric is is to blame for this. I'm not sure that uh, Jared Kushner's father-in-law is to blame for anti-Semitism, but... uh, 
but uh, in, in, in addition to that, uh, he's also said that this is primarily something that comes from the right wing. And as we just discussed, uh, there is tremendous anti-Semitism where it's primarily located politically uh, right now with envy that is taking place among socialist parties. And sometimes that socialism morphs into anti-Semitism or vice versa. Uh, if you study uh, what would be called right-wing movements like Identity Christianity, you find that when they talk about economics, they sound like Noam Chomsky. Uh, they, they believe in redistribution of wealth. They simply believe in redistributing it rather than uh, from the top down. They believe in distributing it from uh, the minorities to the majority in the case of uh, Identity Christianity or from the majority to the minority in the case of the black Hebrew Israelites. Uh, but they all believe in redistribution of wealth through the state. So uh, that, I guess, would be politically on the left if you were to classify its economics. You say that when Bill de Blasio took action to raise police presence in Jewish communities, that there was a backlash against that? Uh, there was a little bit of backlash in the sense that it was calling for increased police uh, patrols on the streets. And that's always controversial because uh, going back to the 60s and 70s, the long hot summer, the idea was that police are racist and uh, they're guilty of police brutality. Uh, under uh, Rudy Giuliani and uh, to a degree under Michael Bloomberg, the police had the support of uh, City Hall. Under Bill de Blasio, it's known very much that they do not. Uh, and so the police have had to be uh, have had to retreat in the face of uh, very hostile situations. You've seen that in other contexts outside of this one. Uh, but because there are uh, more policemen on the streets now, uh, those groups which uh, had wrung so many um, uh, um, consolations uh, out of uh, out of uh, Bill de Blasio have decided to uh, to try and do it one more time. Top down measures to address anti-Semitism can only do so much because, like we've been discussing, it really boils down to a heart issue. So, what can we do to fight against this? I think we have to do a couple of things. You're right. Ultimately, this is a heart issue. Uh, and I think that uh, the real animus against Jewish people comes down to a couple of things. First of all. I think that people have an animus, obviously, for envy for the reasons that we talked about, but there's something deeper, and it's at the heart of everyone because everyone has a conscience. Everyone is made in Imago Dei, in the image of God, and the Jewish people are a reminder of the existence of God. God took a disparate group of nomads dwelling in the desert and fashioned them into a people and a faith that has endured for almost 4,000 years against inestimable odds. The Jewish people are a testimony that God intervenes in human affairs, and a lot of people don't want that kind of a God. They prefer a deist God who leaves the world in our hands or no God at all. Um, so that, I think, is part of the animus against Jewish people. We have to teach a respect for religion. The majority of young Europeans today think that uh, religion causes more harm than good. Uh, I think that we have to honor intelligence, education, and the drive for success. When you put it in those terms, most people appreciate it, but when you show that that leads to disparate outcomes because people, some people work harder, some people work in industries that pay more, some people have skills that are more remunerative, uh, that's, that's what drives envy. So we have to understand that uh, drive and intelligence and education lead to a, a more favorable economic outcome in our economic system than uh, other forms of work or those who do not have that drive. And we should honor those who have that and encourage others to follow that example rather than enviously demand that wealth be redistributed to those who, uh, in the words of the Green New Deal, who uh, refuse to work. And then I think one of the keys here, uh, the key to fighting anti-Semitism is not fighting anti-Semitism, it's loving the Jewish people. 
we have to love the Jewish people for what they gave the West. They gave us the idea of monotheism, which changed Western culture forever. Uh, it tells us that life is not a game of chance because of the fates. It's not a fight between conflicting gods, and there are many of them who may have different ideas, and they're constantly struggling against one another. Instead, the world's under the control of one sovereign God, in Jewish prayers called the King of the Universe, who has made life one long, ethically directed pursuit of himself uh, for the good of all of humanity, for us to love and care for one another. We should love the Jewish people for putting that idea at the heart of Western culture. Father Ben, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you. God bless. Thank you so much for listening today. If you would like to reach our podcast team here at the Acton Institute and let us know what you think of the show, you can reach us at actonline at acton.org. This episode of Acton Line was produced and edited by me, Caroline Roberts, with audio mixing by Doug Nagel.